So are you ready for Advent? Huh? Are you ready? So, you know, I know back in the day when I used to, you know, be one of those people that said, hey, you know, we are not singing any Christmas songs. We're not putting up any decorations until after Thanksgiving. Advent was always like, oh, it's here already, right? Because it's like you're worried about Thanksgiving and then Advent, right? No, no. So a few years ago, I started saying, you know what? November 1st, after Halloween, it's Christmas time, right? Now I'm ready, right? It's like Advent. It's like it's here finally. Oh, my gosh. I've been waiting a month for it, right? So uh, we are here and excited to be here. I hope you are as well. It's a great season. I love the fact that, again, I say this all the time, but I love that we are purposeful about these big things like Easter and Christmas, right? That we set aside some time to prepare ourselves and to really celebrate. It's, you know, it, it, celebrating the birth of Christ deserves more than one day, amen? Right? I mean, we can't just do this one day. We got to do it all time. And it's the same with Easter, right? Easter, we can't just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus one day, right? We need, you know, 40 some days to kind of build up to that, right? And so uh, it's fitting again that we, as we prepare to celebrate the arrival of Jesus on the earth, uh, that we spend the month to prepare. Uh, as I was thinking a couple of months ago and praying about, okay, God, what do you want me to preach for Advent this year? I felt Lord, lead me uh, to, to do a series of messages on uh, basically evangelism, if you will. We've spent this year looking at Genesis 1 through 11, and the focal, uh, focal point of this year was to get to know, you know, the, the base, the roots of our faith, and to understand that, and to... Uh, by Doing that, we got to know who God is a little bit better, and we got to know who we are a little bit better, which is important. Uh, but the, the question is, what do we do with that? After spending all this time looking at God, uh, you know, especially I think American Christians, we can fall into this trap of, we just, it, you know, Christianity is all about knowing who God is instead of knowing who God is and telling people who God is. And so uh, I just felt like it was fitting, and I felt the Lord said, yes, let's do a, an evangelistic series to kind of finish out the year so that we can take all this information, all this experience we've had, all the things we've learned about God this year and ourselves, and now we can put that into practice actually begin to share it with the world. Our, our mission statement, our vision statement, if you will, is, is that we are a, a, a group of people that are fully enjoying our intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the points under that is we do that through engaging our neighbor with the love of God in authentic and caring relationship. Our neighbor is not just the one who's across the street, but it is also the one who is across the street. Our neighbor is across the borders and across the seas as well. We, uh, if we want to enjoy this relationship we have with Jesus Christ, we need to be sharing God's love with our neighbor. The, theor the, the series title is Go Tell It on the Mountain. How many remember, of course, that song, right? Whoop, whoop, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Great song. Actually, we'll be singing that at the end of the service here, uh, and we'll probably come back to it uh, maybe each week. We'll see. But, uh, you know, this is a Christmas song that is kind of ignited by this, this reality in history that we read about earlier in Luke 2, that the angels showed up and they spoke to the shepherds. And the shepherds then, inspired by what they shared, went and brought the child 
child, but not only did they seek the child, they, when they found the child, they began to tell the world about what they saw. They made known, it says, what had been told them. They passed on what they learned, what they experienced. They went and had this relationship develop with Jesus, this baby. I would imagine the shepherds probably held this baby, right? I mean, can you imagine? Like you show up and, oh my gosh, there's Mary, there's Joseph, and look at this cool baby. I love I told you the other day, right? Babies are amazing. They just have all this power, right? You have one in, the, in, in your room, right, in the house somewhere, and everybody's like, oh, look at this baby. It's so amazing. It's so great. You know, we want to see the baby. You want to make the baby smile, you know? Can you imagine? Come on, Jesus, you can smile. And he's like, dude, get away from me. I'm going to kill you, man. Anyway, but, and gassy. That's all it is. Really, don't take it personal. But, um, so, Uh, We see this song that comes out of this story about the shepherds taking what they had heard and sharing it with the world. And so this Advent season, I'm calling us to take some time to reflect, to remember, and even to experience again who Jesus is. And then after that experience to go tell it on the mountain. If I'm going to encourage us in evangelism, I feel a need before we get too much into it to define evangelism for us. I I think there's a lot of confusion about evangelism. I think there's a lot of false perspectives about evangelism. And so I just want to kind of, you know, do a little bit of a rant uh, on evangelism a little bit. So if you will uh, follow along with me a bit and just kind of be able to kind of try to grasp what I'm saying here. But, but let me start by reading this uh, passage from uh, Titus chapter 3, 3 to 7. <clears throat> For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hatred by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, he saved us. Not because done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. To understand evangelism, there's a few things we have to understand that it's not. First of all, evangelism is not a skill. Okay, it's it's not dependent on personality traits, right? It's not dependent on individual gifting, right? It's not something that, you know, you have the gift or have the ability to do or not. It's not uh, something you can train in you. It's not something that if you just do enough practice of, you'll be able to figure it out. It's not something that you just have to discipline yourself to do and so that you can make it happen. It's not about our effort, so many of our evangelistic, uh, evangelistic uh, uh, strategies, if you will, are glorified sales pitches. There's no 
if we just spend, you know, if we go to the training, if we just figure out how this program works, and then we can take it back, and we just, you know, kind of follow the rules, and boom, we're going to have results. It's not a skill that we have to develop. It is not a sales pitch. We are not trying to convince people to enter the kingdom of God. We're not trying to sell them a bunch of stuff. Hey, you know, if you do this, you do this. You do this. That is how, that is not the gospel. We'll get into what the gospel is a little bit later. That's not the gospel. You come to Jesus, he's going to do all these great things for you. The truth, of course, is he's already done great things for you. It's also not a debate or an argument we don't have to try to argue people into the kingdom. We certainly can get better and will over time get more comfortable with evangelism, but it is not a skill. It is also not a job. It's not something that you clock in and clock out of. It's not something you're going to retire from sometime at some point in the future. It is not performance-based. Like, you're not going to get paid based on how many evan- you know, conversions you have. You know, it, it's not about that. It's also not a competition. Not, you know, not who's got the most effective ministry. Well, you know, we've got all these conversions, so obviously that's the most effective. That's, they're pretty great. I mean, they must be doing something right. I mean, so, you know, this, they've really taken that seriously. They've got that job figured out. It's not a job. Although it is something that we've all been called to do personally. And here's the big one. Evangelism, evangelism is not our purpose. I hear this too often in conversations with Christians or in books that I've read or in churches. You see, purpose is about why we exist. Like, right? You know, my purpose, right? You know, the purpose for why God made me. Is not evangelism. You know, we, we often, uh, time, too many of us make this mistake that evangelism is our purpose. That, that That's why we're here. That's the most important thing. That's, that's who we are. That's what we were made for. And so that we can go ahead and continue to share the gospel. And this equates, we equate too much of evangelism with our success or feeling of success in Christianity. And a matter of fact, in a world like America that is mostly Christianized, there are a whole lot of Christians who, who feel like failures because they've not ever led someone to Christ. Well, obviously, you know, I'm just not, you know, doing it what, right. Or, you know, and so we spend all this time buying books and, and going to trainings and trying to figure it out, come up with new strategies. But also we've come up with new ways in America because it's like it's such a wealthy nation and there's not very many people, and we're going to get into this in a minute, that really think they need Jesus. We've tried to, you know, basically uh, make, you know, we've come up with a, I can't think right now. Why is my brain not working? You can do it, brain. Work, function. It's going to be great once you get to the word. Uh, we've come up with a middle-class gospel that basically says that, you know, it's just like a social club. I unfortunately remember a story about a, a, a friend who told a family member of mine who didn't know Jesus, hey, you know, it's not really that big a deal. For you, because you're such a great person already 
I mean, if you just give your life to Jesus, you really won't have to change your life much. Right? Uh, It's a middle-class gospel. That it's about a social club, like, you know, oh, we can, you know, we just want to get more members in there. We just want more conversions so we can mark it off. And so we have these people that come that don't really need Jesus. They see it as, you know, maybe, a, you know, an opportunity to, to make some sales. Opportunity to, you know, build some community relationships. It is not our purpose. John 17, 3 says... This is salvation, that you know God and the one who he has sent. Our purpose is to enjoy an intimate relationship with Jesus. That's the point of our life. That's the purpose. We were created for intimate relationship with our Father. We are not robots. We are not just workers and slaves for God. To be able to send out his message to the world. No, no, no. That is not our purpose. Our purpose has to always be grounded in the relationship that we can have with Jesus. So evangelism is not a skill. Evangelism is not our job. Evangelism is not our purpose. Evangelism is a relationship. Verbal and nonverbal communication in relationship, first of all, with Jesus, and then with others. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, so often what we think is that, oh, for abiding, that if we are are doing the right things, then we can abide in Jesus. That is the opposite of how this works. We abide in Jesus. Our whole focus is Jesus. We spend our life trying to get to know him and understand him, allow him to reveal himself to us and who we are. That's our, that's our goal. That's what we do. That's our purpose is just to get to know him. And as we get to know him, then we will automatically become fruitful. We think that fruit leads to Jesus. It's the opposite. Fruit comes out of Jesus. As we have a relationship with him. Evangelism is the same. If we want to be fruitful in evangelism, that is up to us knowing Jesus. The better we know Jesus, the more we will be able to actually share him with the world. Like Dominic's talking about in prison, had these amazing experiences with Jesus. And what does he want to do? He just wants to tell other people about it. This Jesus who totally transformed my life. It's not this, oh, yeah, I didn't really have to change much. It was really cool. I just kind of showed up in church. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I mean, this your sermon's kind of slow sometimes. Yeah, you know, pastor kind of, you know, just, just kind of hangs out there. It's like, come on, come on, let's move. Anyway, no, it's, it's like, no, this Jesus transforms us. He steps into our world and changes everything. And when he does that, we've got a story to tell. Right? When we're saved, when we recognize what he's done for us, we can't help 
but want to talk about Jesus. The longer we know him, certainly it gets easier. We have more stories to tell. Evangelism is all about sharing our personal experience with Jesus, with others. How do you know him? What, what has he done in your life? What are the things that he said to you? Where have you seen him have it? You know, we, we get, we're in a habit, I think, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But we can be in a habit, I think, at Christmas time of, you know, talking about Jesus. Yeah, you know, it's all about Jesus being born. Yeah, it's so cool. No, no, no. What is he doing? Is he alive? Is he real? Is he here? What, I mean, what, do, do we even talk about it that way? We have this, uh, uh, in our country, we have this amazing opportunity for the next month to tell people about Jesus. Are we, gonna tell, tell, are we just going to tell them about somebody who lived 2,000 years ago? Some baby that was pretty cool and there's a star and all this. Are we going to tell them about the Jesus who's alive and well and active in my life? Evangelism is about sharing the personal reaction and interactions we had with Jesus with other people. That's all it is. It's relationship. First of all, with Jesus and then with others. When you're in relationship with somebody else, you talk about your life. You get to know each other by sharing your life. The ups, the downs, the good things, the bad things form, right? Having a conversation with somebody you don't know. I, I, I learned this a long time ago. Use the word form. It's an acronym, right? F means family. First thing you ask them about is family. So, hey, tell me about your family. How many kids you got? You know, how many whatever, you know? And you kind of go there. And then you have O is occupation, right? What do you do for a living, right? What's kind of your job? What are, your, what are you interacting with there? And then R is recreation. Hey, you know, uh, what do you do for fun? You know, what are the things you like to do? And then finally, motivation is M, right? That's the last thing you ask about because that's usually the most personal. Like, what drives you? What are, you know, what's the important thing? Now, a lot of times we can look at M as being the only place where Jesus fits in. But family... Is it just a biological family that we talk about? Why is not Jesus a part of our family discussion? When we begin to ask somebody about, about their family, hey, do you, how about the family of God? Are you involved in them, with them? Like, do you know Jesus? Is God your father too? I mean, I know you got an earthly father, but what about your family? Occupation, what are, what are we working for? Right, are we really working just for a paycheck? I know there's a lot of people that do that nowadays, and I'm just, you know, this is not what Scripture teaches us. It teaches us what we do, everything for the glory of the Lord. And so we work hard for our money. We work hard. I'm sorry. Um, we work hard because Jesus, because we're working for Jesus, right? Recreation. What do we do for fun? You know, for fun. What do we do? Is Jesus in there anywhere? Is, you know, being part of what's happening in the church, you know, volunteering and, and, and helping and serving in different things. Is that part of our recreation? Do we even talk about that? Again, it's everywhere. It's not just motivation. It's Jesus. So this Christmas, let's share about the Jesus who is alive and active in our life. Evangelism is good news as well. It's not just relationship. It's good news. And this is the focus of my Advent series is I'm going to take some time to work through the good news. Today, I know you feel like you've already got a full sermon, but we got another 10 minutes at least left. It's going to be great. Um, but we're going to dive into this idea that Jesus, first of all, is Savior. The Savior. 
And then next week, we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is here, Emmanuel, right? He's here, not just 2,000 years ago here, but now here. And then the next week, we'll look at the fact that Jesus is risen, right? That Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, right? And what that means for us. And then finally, the last week before Christmas, Jesus is returning, The first advent of waiting for the Messiah to come is now our advent as well as we wait the Messiah to return. Jesus is our Savior. Salvation is not just for one. Salvation is for all. The amazing reality is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God loves the world, every one of us. Doesn't matter what your life is like. Doesn't matter if you're addicted to drugs. Doesn't matter if you're addicted to sex, addicted to anything. It doesn't matter if you're a criminal, a murderer, an adulterer. It doesn't matter. God loves you. This is the good news, that despite your sin, despite uh, the the evilness within you and just the the rebellion, he loves us. It's unbelievable that he loves us, right? Especially those of us who know ourselves, (laughs) right? What? You love me? No, that can't be. But God loves us so much that he sent his son. And his son came and died for us. Not because we deserve it, right? It it wasn't like Jesus like, well, you know, they're starting to get pretty good down there. So I think maybe it's time. No, no, no. Continued rebellion. Evil rampant everywhere. Sin just, you know, overwhelming everywhere. It was just like in the days of Noah, right? It was just nasty. It was horrible. And yet Jesus still came while we were sinners and gave his life to pay the price for our sin, knowing that there's no hope for us. We're all doomed. We're all condemned. Condemned to die. Condemned to eternity in hell. And then Jesus shows them, says, no, I'm going to go and die for that. I'm going to pay for that sin. And in paying for that sin, gave us an open door and an open invitation. Believe on me and you will be saved. Believe, what's that mean, right? Believe on me. It's not just a mental assent to that Jesus was real. Matter of fact, most people in the world believe that Jesus was an actual human being that walked the earth a couple thousand years ago. Very few that would disagree with that. It is not just a belief that Jesus is real. It's a trust that Jesus is who he said he was. Trusting that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And then when he died, he didn't pay for his own sin. He paid for our sin. And then the greatest thing is that he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he broke the chains of death and allowed us the opportunity to escape our own condemnation if we simply bow our knee to Jesus as Lord. He, when we die, will resurrect our bodies and bring us with him to live with him for all eternity. Amen? Amen. 
this is the good news. We have a Savior. And we believe, and if we trust in Jesus, we will be saved. But understand that this salvation, this salvation message is not for the strong. It's not for the wealthy. It's not for the talented. It's not for the capable. It's not for the ones who are powerful and successful. No, Jesus came to save the weak. The ones who had nothing. The ones who are failures. The ones who can't do it. The ones who are poor and wretched. Those who are blind. Jesus came not to save the healthy, but the sick. You see, belief and trust, that only comes out of despair. When we realize we can't do it. That we can't make it another day. That there's no way. And I'm not even talking about eternity yet. Right? I mean, this is just today. Like, can I make it through the day? The ones who recognize that there is no way, that they are at the end of themselves, they're no longer hanging onto the rope by a, by a thread. They have let go of the rope because they realize there is no hope. It is only when we get to that point, no matter how much money is in our check, checking account, no matter how, much, uh, how many family members we have around us who love us, how many friends we have, what our name is or not is, whatever it is, doesn't matter any of that. What matters is have you given up hope? Are you in despair? Can you no longer imagine somehow taking another step without Jesus? This is what salvation is for. This is why salvation, this is why Christianity always grows in the midst of persecution. This is why Christianity was, it grew like wildfire 2,000 years ago. Because there were so many in the Roman Empire who were oppressed, who were in despair, who had nothing, had, couldn't do it. And then Jesus shows up and says, I will show you the way. It's through me. You see the... The gospel that dumbs down this peace is not really a gospel at all. And I've said it before, we've got too many people in our church that still think they've got something to offer Jesus. It is only when we recognize our need that we will truly and fully put our faith in Jesus. And in that very moment, when we truly bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we are saved. That's good news. Saved not to be able to get something, but saved because we received something. 
Saved for the eternal kingdom, certainly, but there's a, there's a kingdom now. The fact that we now get to experience salvation, that, that we have God with us. I mean, there are so many of us, and maybe, Dominic, you can even talk about this in the prison cell, how when all of a sudden you receive Jesus, the light kind of turns on, and all of a sudden, even though it's a dark cell, it's all of a sudden filled with Jesus' light, and you can step, you can walk, you can breathe, you feel like there is hope. Not in your circumstances today, but in the fact that Jesus died for you, that Jesus gave it all for you, that he thought that you were valuable enough to die for you. This is the salvation message. This is the hope we have, not just some hope in eternity, but a hope for today. Go tell it on the mountain. Do you have anything to tell? Have you come to the end of yourself? Have you come to that point of despair? I do not want to challenge anyone's salvation that's between you and Jesus and you know if you have or not. But I just want to encourage you to reevaluate. This is a time for remembering, to reflect. Are you saved? Have you really come to the end of yourself? Or do you think that somehow, you know, kind of, you know, God's pretty glad that you got into the kingdom because, you know, I mean, you got some skills to offer, right? Man, I was really glad we got him. That guy, he's, he's pretty talented. <laughs> Have you recognized your need? Just reflect on that. Are you saved? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Not just for the future, but for today. As Christians, we continue every day to make this choice. I'm going to bow my knee to Jesus as Lord, which means I can't do it. The focus of my life, the purpose of my life is Jesus. Intimate relationship with him. I work at that. That's the thing that I want. That's the thing that I strive for. So I spend my time focusing there. And as I focus there, the rest of the stuff takes care of itself. I become more righteous, not because I discipline myself, but because I spent more time with Jesus. I become an evangelist, not because I've gone to all these trainings and know all the books and know the four spiritual laws, but because I spent time with Jesus. Go tell it on the mountain. We have to have something to tell. And the thing to tell is all about him. Not about what I did, but what he did. Who are you telling? If you have a story to tell, who are you telling? Again, this is not about guilt and shame. If you're spending time with Jesus, and you're getting to know with him, experiencing him, you'll have more to share. Who are you telling? Everyone? But especially maybe the needy. 
You know, we, we, we with evangelism, we can, again, this, this middle class gospel, we can sometimes, you know, look for, you know, the individuals that are in our, you know, same classification and, and think that that's the way to go. No, no, it doesn't matter if they're in middle class or upper class or lower class or where they're at. What matters is what, have they met trauma? Are they at the end of themselves? Are they in need? Anytime there's a death in the family, anytime there's, you know, trauma, anytime a lost job, anytime, any of that kind of stuff, there is opportunity. We as Christians, we should be very comfortable with those kind of opportunities and be willing to step in and be ready. But again, what are, you, what are we telling? That's maybe the more important thing. Do we have something to tell? Who are we telling? But what, what are we telling? Again, it's all about Jesus. He is Savior. He is here. He is risen. And he is returning. As we experience Jesus in Scripture, and as we experience Jesus personally, as God takes the head knowledge that we have and puts it into our heart in personal experience, and as we experience Jesus corporately, we will develop that intimate relationship with Jesus. And we'll be able to share that message to everyone who comes across our path. All right, worship team, why don't you come up? Just a kind of closing thought. A line from another song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I was struck by this. You know, at first I thought, oh, it's the most wonderful time of year. I thought, that's got to be about Jesus. Hmm. I was surprised to find that Jesus is not mentioned in that song. It's focus on friends and family, focus on celebrations and joy, but not on Jesus. Indeed, it is the most wonderful time of year. Because it is this time of year that we celebrate the arrival, the revealing of Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Let's make this Christmas more about Jesus, right? As we focus on him, as we seek to develop that intimacy with him, and as we experience him, may we just be a little bit more aware of what we can, what we can share and how we can fit it into the conversations that we're having. That we're not talking about some Jesus in a cradle some 2,000 years, a manger 2,000 years ago. But we're talking about the risen, active, and alive, and here with us, and soon returning Savior of the world. Let's go tell what we know about Jesus to everyone around us. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand and we'll sing a couple songs and I'll come up with a closing passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son because of your deep, deep love for us. Lord, and that Jesus came willingly and gave his life willingly to pay the price for our sin and open up the doorway to a renewed relationship, a restored relationship with you. Lord, we pray that you would help us. Help us to know you more. Help us to give up 
leaning on our own abilities and strengths. Help us every morning to rise up and say, Lord, I need you today. And then, Lord, out of that prayer of desperation, reveal to us once again who you are so that we've got something to tell. You are a good, good God. You are worthy, worthy of all that we have. What little that is in your eyes. Worthy of our entire life. You, we can trust. You are faithful and true. You will be there for us. You will be there with us. Thank you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and following. Lord, may we have this similar attitude as Paul. Whatever gain I had, I counted a loss. For the sake of Christ, indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It is for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas. Have a great day. Oh, and if you'd like prayer, please come forward. We've got some guys that would love to pray with you. Uh, matter of fact, if you feel like you're not saved yet, maybe you need to pray that prayer this morning, then come forward as well.